Today on Talk About That, John uses a 50-cent word and ponders tasing himself into better posture. Meanwhile, I hurt myself playing kickball with other adults and have a run-in with the Bills Mafia at a comedy show. Plus, a conversation about new parents, sensitivity, and small talk. Today's episode is not sponsored by microphones. We get it. You think you said something really cool, but please, stop dropping us. Let's go. Very quickly, we move from fall is in the air to winter is in the air. It's a crisp. Let's talk about that, Joe. It's still autumn, though. It may be autumn, but I'm freezing. Do any of the other seasons have two names? It's like we're the Auburn Tigers and the War Eagle. You know, that's a great question. You know, we're the we're the Crimson Tide and the Elephant. Elephant. They never say elephant. Where autumn is like autumn and fall, but like summer doesn't have a yeah. spring doesn't have another and spring and allergy. Or, you know, I don't yeah. know what you'd call it. Sneeze. Yeah, <laughs> sneeze. Yeah, it went. And again, when, when autumn is like a poetic. It's more of a. It's autumn. Oh, it's autumn. Yeah, you feel like you're. Yeah, you this know, is my favorite season. You're Walt Whitman talking about fall. If you're. Yeah, these changing leaves of grass. Nothing rhymes with autumn. That makes it less poetic, honestly. But Are you sure nothing rhymes more with things, autumn? More things rhyme with fall. That's true. Yeah. It's my favorite. And right now, by the way, we actually have colorful caught trees. Em, caught them, got them. <laughs> well, yeah, you could do other phrase rhymes. What do you call those? Frimes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't do words for no. a living or anything. It's a good thing. But I'm, in, I'm enjoying the foliage. Do you say foliage or foliage? You want to say foliage, but I hear people say foliage so much. I think it's seeped in. Yeah, I'm afraid to say it wrong. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to be, I'm being judged right now by people listening to this. Yeah, somebody's like, it's foliage. <laughs> They're upset. They're very upset. Uh, are you the kind of person that gets upset over the pronunciation of words? I lose respect for people. <laughs> so then, yes. If they, here, here's the thing. Here's the That's thing. all it took. No, here's the thing. I'll lose if respect I'm reading an people. email and it's very intelligent and it's a very good opinion and it just, it's not even, and I love the person. And then they put like a your instead of you apostrophe R-E. That's all it takes for me to be like, all right. Wow. I don't like, I don't like stop being friends with them, but I just go, it's like a, oh. Next week on Judgmentalism it with really Johnny is. W. It really is. I don't mean to be this guy, but I... This man, this I think is, it's. I think I give myself the ability to do it because I'm so hard on myself. So I think, well, it's okay for me to be hard on other oh, people. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a horrible way to live. I'm not pretending it's good. I'm just saying, like, I hate myself and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> can we can we just be okay with There's that? There's a good chance I don't hate you as bad as I hate myself. Right. I actually think that's the theory of most people's hang-up is in life is yeah. that they think because of the you know insecurities or whatever they deal with uh-huh. that it justifies so and so i would do the same exact thing i don't want to be that guy but i just you know when you or yeah if somebody says mute point you just go mm. Mm. that one gives me but then also there's that moment where you go do i tell this person that they're right i don't know and i've been humbled so many times with things yeah so you stay ahead of the curve. It's rare. I'm ahead of the curve in what way? I don't think I'm ahead of the curve in any way. You don't use, like, I'm more likely to drop something that I've just kind of heard in conversation. Okay. Because like I'm a just, pop culture I'm always free-flowing, you know. You're more, I think, calculated. <laughs> like, you won't say it unless you know exactly everything yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. And so then when I say something, you're like, what did you say? 
Yeah. And like you, then it's like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to call me out. As I used to ask people if somebody would use like a brand new word that they could tell was like on their, 50, you know, it was a 50 cent word from their word of the day calendar. They yeah. would use it in a sentence. I'd be like, spell it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Spell what? That word you just used. Spell it. Yeah. Know, just to see if they would. Yeah. Philanthropist or whatever. <laughs> if they said, you, know, you don't say philanthropist. I did use a word in an article I wrote yesterday. Did you see my article yesterday? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The on, one about uh, the... LinkedIn, about, mm-hmm. about a black your... man and a white man walking to Good Morning America. I kind of wanted to do behind the, I guess, scenes a little bit talk because the the video can't... We don't get into all of the stuff, you know. Yeah. So I sort of wrote about it. Um, but I found myself using a word prolixity. I don't... That sounds like, like a, wow. new, a new drug. Wow. And I made sure I used it correctly. I, mean, I looked it up. I was like, this is the right word. Do this not is use if you're allergic to prolixity. <laughs> <laughs> Side effects include... It means it would make you wordy. It would it would mean that you what is prolixity? Superfluous loquaciousness is what really is, what is pro, what is prolixity? prolixity? It really does sound like a drug. Prolixity is like just an excess amount of talking, an excess amount. Oh, okay. For like just overwhelming. So you've been afflicted for some time. Well, I should know this word. <laughs> Well, I was talking about the You're patient zero. For I was talking prolixity. about religious prolixity as the as like. You know, we're just overwhelmed. We're just talking, 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 talking about yeah. how all this is bad. Everything's bad. CRT is bad. This is bad. Right. Like it's all right. And, and, you know, just talking about what divides us in that particular way of seeing the world. Yes. Yeah. I'm just going to overwhelm you with a bunch of information about how everything mm-hmm. is bad, except what I'm saying. So. Yeah, because if you stop, you might actually have to listen and hear an argument right. against or like an, somebody has life experience that that contradicts you. And that that would be like uh anathema to you you couldn't do it you'd be like ah right so we know what they say johnny you got two ears and one mouth for a reason you've heard that right the the front windshield is bigger than the rear windshield for a reason because you're supposed to (laughs) not look back and that's why i've backed over many many pedestrians john (laughs) get yourself a backup camera you're gonna need it (laughs) i love it when metaphors break down yeah I used to have a joke about that, about how I, my motto in life is to never look back. And so I've hit a lot of what I can only <laughs> imagine are pedestrians. I remember when Michael Scott ran over, um, oh, what was her name? Meredith. Meredith, thank you. Yeah. And that Jim, like one of the first thing he says is, you know, Michael complained about a speed bump in the middle of the highway <laughs> one day. I wonder how many other people he's run over. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it was so great. And um, then I just talk our lives. How many, guys, how many people? Have we used as speed bumps? One of my early, I, I, I shudder to think. It's, and I, I look ahead and think I'll look back where I'm now and shudder as well. But I think about my younger self, mm-hmm. like true younger, like teenage, early 20 self, thinking that I'm thinking deeply. And I suppose I was because I believe depth of thought. It's all like, relative. Yeah. It is. It's, it's a capacity thing, much like love. Like I, I never tell teenagers, look, you're not really in love. You don't right. know what that is. Like if your capacity is, it's a hundred percent regardless the size of the tank. Yeah. So if you have a hundred gallon tank, you know, and you have a twenty gallon tank, and they're both full. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't say one's more full than the other, even though it has a greater capacity. Meaning, in life, in adulthood, you'll learn more about what all of that means in terms of how to share life together and all that. But to tell someone, oh right. no, no, you don't know what this real is puppy love. You don't know, right? It's super insulting. They don't believe it anyway because the yeah. feeling is so overwhelming. But I think I wonder if intellectual or um, knowledge-based things are 
similar. So there's things like I thought I was being super deep and introspective. And I look back now and go, that wasn't deep and introspective at all. One of those was, you know, Johnny, it's really hard to pick because it happened to me. It's really hard to pick up a hitchhiker in the fast lane. <laughs> and so, like, I had this. Cause, what was the well? I, well what's I the saw, application for this in your life? Well, to help people, if you're always in motion, because I'm always in the left lane going fast. Yeah, and I'll see people because I'm the kind of guy that pulls over and helps people. Like, if I see someone who needs help yeah. changing a tire, like, I just do. Or someone's like in trouble. And sometimes, That's like a Rolling Stone gathers no moss. Except well, the moss would be well, the hitchhiker. Yeah, I was like, I'm not. You basically stole that. I'll want to help. But I'm going too fast. I yeah. can't get over the three lanes to help. I'm like, oh, yeah. and then the metaphor of that is, well, in life, you know, we're all just moving so fast. We don't get time. Maybe I should slow down, Johnny. I Stay think it, in the right lane. That's It's a Rolling Stone Gathers No Moss. You, that's you not have, true. Rolling Stone co-opted. Isn't a Rolling Stone Gathers No Moss would be... It means like you have to slow down or you don't like get, you know, is moss mo- is good in the equation. You think moss is good in that yeah. scenario? Yeah, yeah. You want to get... You want moss. Moss is good. Why? Why do you know. think? I don't believe that's what that means at all. You think moss is bad in that? I think it's saying. Scenario? I think it's saying if you stay in motion, then you don't get moss. Like, hey, always be moving ahead. Always be, you know, you want to be <laughs> kicking butts and taking names so that you don't slow down. So the stone is kicking butts in this <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Listen, speaking, of roll, can... speaking of Rolling Stones, okay. So we uh, went to the Rolling Stones concert. No, <laughs> we had a church event and we played kickball. Wow. As adults, we have uh, our dear friend Caleb had brought this gigantic kickball, and he spent. Like, when I say gigantic, it's like what three feet wide. He like spent it's... thirty minutes pumping this thing up with a little like <laughs> pump, like the little accordion foot pump. Oh my god! He, <laughs> he goes, "This is going to be a minute." <laughs> so he finally gets it to where I was like, "This is close enough." And then I, he goes, "Help me get this together," because I think he thought, "Johnny, you're an influencer," which I'm so not. <laughs> But I finally just was like, let's go. And so we both went over there. And people actually came over. They did. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, we're going to play kickball as adults. So we like plotted out and put some towels down as bases and shirt, you know, sweatshirts. And uh, Well, the funniest we, part was when we they made me and you. No, yeah. they made me and Andrew captains. Yeah, you and Andrew were captains. And so there was like this whole middle school shaming thing going on. Yeah, again. who was going to be picked last. Yeah. And I apologize. I didn't get picked last, which I couldn't believe it. I thought I'll get picked last. But it had nothing to do. Like I was thinking, like the person who did get picked last, I told him, I said, "Look, you realize you got picked last because I trust the security that you have in yourself. <laughs> like, you know, if I, yeah. if I let them get picked last, they really would take it seriously. But yeah. you, you know, I don't know. Anyway, we this ball was gigantic, and you Huge. know, I, I've been running, I've been biking, I've been doing things. I'm, I'm in okay shape. For, but you've for, not been kicking a three-foot-wide ball. And not over and over again, because there was one, like, Dane kept rolling the ball to me wrong. You know how you roll the ball, like, bouncy at somebody, or you roll it to their uh, to their wrong foot? Listen, Dane was on my team. To throw throw you off? He, I think I had an at-bat, or at-kick, Yeah, where it was like 10 or 11 it was kicks, unbelievable because I kept fouling it off because he would roll it at my foot wrong. He was he was like putting English on yeah, it. He's a, ba- he's a big baby, is what he it is. was. It was really hilarious to watch Dane. But you can't like if you kick it in the air, it catches wind and this thing just hovers like an orb yeah. and it's easy to catch. So you can't kick it out of the like, like you're you running around in circles underneath it, waiting for it to fall. You are, like, <laughs> ah. yeah, it's the whole thing. <laughs> it was very funny. And so you bunt was the big play. The yeah. bunt's what you do with the big gigantic kickball. But all that said. I'm kicking this thing 10 or 11 times probably that day. Maybe one of those bats, I was like six or seven kicks in a row, like all my might with my leg. And I was so, so, and I almost called you guys. Like, is anybody else sore? I was ashamed. I was like, 
these guys are going to be like, no, we're not sore from kickball, you idiot. <laughs> but then I asked you today at breakfast, and you're like, dude, I was hobbled for like two days. <laughs> it made me feel so good that like I'm not the only one. It's like I was not engaging that muscle, evidently. I it, it was a like I think it for me so. You know, you said kicking and then running hard and then stopping yeah, like on it, a dime. It's all, yeah, because I'm running quite a bit too. Yeah, but it's a totally different muscle group. I'm supposing. I don't know, but. When would you be? You know, what I'm saying, what scenario would you? Be? No, no, I do it all the time. Yeah, when Somebody I'm running comes for up the police, me, tries to carjack me. I kick them as hard as I can, run away, and then I run away from them. And I jump in my car. Right. It was a. <laughs> what we de- we decided. Well, I decided the yeah. only way this is going to ever end because it was zero zero for like five innings. Yeah. Someone's got to score. It was like the first person to score is going to win, and so I decided to just steal all the bases and just go for it. Uh-huh. So I kicked the ball and just took off. And I think that's when the real damage was done. Oh, right. Because they, Those it, explosive movements. Was it Seth? He had me at home, and I like st- I did like a <laughs> matrix in midair. He threw it. It was like, and like yeah. barely missed me. I hit home plate, and we, I mean, of course, we won the game. Right. But I, my hip area and like the back down my, on that right side. I was like, what is happening? Are yeah. we really? Wouldn't it be brutal like tear your ACL or something doing something uh, stupid like that? That's how old guys hurt themselves. See, I don't think it's just old guys. Like John Fulkerson for Tennessee, okay, are starting. Yeah, He's all SEC. Yeah. He broke his wrist and his thumb this summer. Like just doing other stuff. Yeah. Playing other games, doing other stuff. Well, it's like my brother had uh, shoulder surgery, rotator cuff surgery. And I asked him, I said, I figured it was like you know, he was playing with Nettie, my niece, and like he threw her up in the air or whatever and caught her wrong or something. He goes, No, I fell out of my office chair. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> and no, he knew it was stupid. Okay. And, but so, well, the funny thing is, like, I have a shoulder issue that I've had for a while, and I didn't realize, I was like, Oh, this is like my range of motion is not there anymore. Like, this arm, I can go behind my back, you know, like you can chicken wing yourself and you can scratch your sure. shoulder blade. Sure. This arm, I can only get like three or four inches up my back. Wow. Like behind my back. So like if you were ever to grab this left arm and like try to chicken wing me, it would, it's like, it would kill me. So I go, I wonder when that You just happened. gave me the key to taking, you realize yeah, that. that's really, I've been I waiting for this my whole thing. life. <laughs> you know, you, yeah, because I have no other weaknesses, Johnny's I'm a, sure. A, Achilles chicken wing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, did you say Achilles? Achilles. Achilles. It's not Achilles to you? I Achilles? Say, I've always said Achilles. Right, I've always right. heard of We'll, we'll, go, we'll come Today back. We'll, is, we'll, we'll circle back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is Achilles. Yeah, it's but. fine. But anyway, uh, I used to have a joke about that, about how Greek mythology was my Achilles hip. Uh, <laughs> stupid. That's a stupid <laughs> joke. That's, a, that's one of those things you think is deep when you write it. It's like I can look back on old jokes and be like, oh, that was so funny. And it's See, really I love that joke. I get mad that you retire things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, man? Well, here's You'd what happens. You'd be on Fallon tonight. Use well, it. Yeah, here's what happens. It doesn't get laughs enough, and then you go, maybe it's time to retire that joke. <laughs> what is wrong with me, then, that I, I laugh? Know. Like, yeah. I don't know. I like all the ones you discard. <laughs> <laughs> you can have I'll save them in a box, and I'll leave them to you. That'll be my oh thing. My I have promised a few jokes to friends. Who I have, There's one friend in particular who I told him, you know, when I die, blah, 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 and he's like, I want these jokes. Like, he asked for certain jokes, wow. mine, which is funny to me. Which is also saying, you're never going to get famous enough that these jokes are burned. Right, they're not burned. Yeah. I'm going to go have a famous career now because... Yeah, because nobody's ever heard of you. Right. And these jokes wow. will be like, oh, that's Johnny's joke. They're going to be like, who? <laughs> yeah, I always thought if I was in the middle of writing something and died, yeah, like, is it worth anyone picking up and finishing? You know what I'm saying? Like, is, yeah. is it a, oh, dude, I had a, posthumously, I, John... We talked is, about that maybe like... I don't think we ever talked about it on the podcast, but 
I had an idea for that about a guy who is his whole dream is to have a, like an HBO special or a Netflix special. I guess it would be in current language, but he dies right before the taping, yeah. like in a car accident or something or cancer or whatever. And so his friends all come together and they each do like a chunk of his act. They memorize part of it. And like the four of them, his four comedian friends. Well, where do, was this? I'm just, it's just a thing. It's just a thing that I wrote that I have in my head oh, to wow. do. So they come together and do like his act as like a tribute to him. Wow. Wouldn't that be good? It's called, I would call it the last laugh. Wow. It's pretty good, we right? Can write it's that a good one. idea. We could write that right now. Yeah. All right. So Rachel Held Evans, you know who that was? Mm-hmm. And she passed away. Right. And she was in the middle of a book mm-hmm. and some, and her friends, they actually, she had a book and maybe something else and she had two friends that finished them. Yeah. And there was a children's book that she yeah. co-wrote too with Matthew Paul Turner, who wrote his yeah. children's books. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so my shoulder. Oh, that's really good. You like it? That's going to happen. I'm going to start the screenplay. Well, somebody's going to take, somebody's going to listen to the podcast and be like, well, that's mine now. Yoink. Do you know how much trouble yes. it is for someone to do that? Guys, if you're willing to write the screenplay, contact us. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut you in. I'm just kidding. We may not be able to cut you in. Yeah, that's true. This call might be monitored. <laughs> <laughs> so my shoulder, though, I just go, well, you know, my brother's had this surgery and he goes, well, you need this surgery. And I go, well, yeah, this is what I have now. I have like a range of motion that's whatever, but it doesn't hurt. It's just whatever. It's just frozen. He goes, oh yeah, my shoulder's frozen too. Like I can't, I don't have range of motion in that shoulder. I go, it doesn't hurt anymore though. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't like reach up and just scratch my shoulder blade with my, with that shoulder. And I go, well, I'm not having the surgery then because it was a horrible recovery he had to go through. Oh, it's, it's awful. like almost a year. And if you don't do the exercises right, they just go, yeah, your shoulder will just yeah. atrophy. So do the exercise. And you're like, oh, you're scared to death. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm not having that. It's like back surgery. You hear these people have back surgeries and they're just never the same. It's like, forget it. Just I'm just going to hurt. Yeah. So anyway, so that's me now. <laughs> There's a photo from the, the picnic, by the way, of me me and you hunched over. Do you see it? <laughs> yeah. Drew sent it We're hunched over the cornhole board, like getting our bags out of the yeah. thing to start the next round. And we look like old, like <laughs> like hunchback, just the posture in that photo. Well, we're, we're picking something up I off know, the ground. But it's, but it's also, it's got an Igor. There's a... Yeah. We are the letter C. We're cap- two we capital C's just hanging out in a park. Yeah. It's brutal. It's, uh... I need to work on my posture. You've worked on your son. Yeah, Didn't okay. you buy a device? I did. <laughs> I did. Was it like, did it tase you? What happened? What did it... No, it just... You just it's Laura like... walked by and a few hundred... <laughs> she, oh, I'm up, I'm up. <laughs> From the, they have those, by the way. They will shock you. What? Like little shocks, yeah. But they're not... It's almost like a tens unit like it's a yeah just a little reminder, reminder. kind of thing uh <laughs> this one i'm sure everybody's ever been tortured like this is just a reminder just a reminder that yeah. we need that information yeah. from you. <laughs> <laughs> and so it looks like you're wearing yeah. a bra from the back so it comes yeah. around your your shoulders here yeah. And so, but it's, there's not, so, and it just kind of cinches up your shoulders yeah. and then you pull it like yeah. it's Velcro and you cinch it and you can pull your shoulders back. I'll still use it to run. If I have a long run, yeah. I'll get this shoulder pain on uh-huh. the right side for some reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I used it for right. Like if I'm in a deep writing project, I'll get that too. And so if I'm just going to be sitting there for hours, seven hours a day, but I have a standing desk now and do some other things to try to help. But that was my initial and yeah, it. It works. You're supposed to be able to wear it under your clothes. Like it's a winter. So when you come home and you're you're getting out of that, you're like, Laura, can you unclip me? 
Is it a? It's very. Is there R and B music playing when this happens? I need to know. Is there some boys to men in the background? Oh, Johnny! I knew I was giving you all kinds of fodder with that. So I never liked my fodder. Anyway, um, I don't know. It it uh, it works. I mean, yeah. it's just pulling your shoulders back. Yeah. Which is what you, Johnny? I'll buy you one for Christmas. Do you want one? Sure. Okay. Will you use it? Mm. If you put it under a jacket. You really can't tell, but I realized I couldn't wear it in the summer. Like, there's just no way. Oh, under a t-shirt or something. Yeah, it's just too, it's just too, they'll have like, you you can't tell under the t-shirt. And it's always some muscle-bound dude who already is like bulging out of his shirt all over, you know. And has perfect posture Oh, look, another, you know, bulge and, you know, so, but I don't, that's not me. Yeah. So. It's going to be like, that guy's wearing a bra. I bulge down around my haunches is what I call them, down around. what? Haunches. (laughs) Like down around where I was hurt after playing kickball. Okay. Like, like I have this sort of flotation device yeah. built in around me. Like okay. if we go down. Like a hip flexors. No, it's higher than that. Oh. So yeah, I carry it. Those are love handles. We're, yeah, love handles. You call, you call your love handles punches? Yeah, it's like. I thought that was like a, like a like a upper quadricep thigh on an animal, like a haunches. Well, like that, your, that, that's what I think stand of. Stand up on your powerful haunches. Like I always think of like. If you were to do one of, one of those butchering charts yeah. Yeah. on me, you okay. know, like this would be something that you would serve as a delicacy at that's the restaurant. Got, like, um, really we got this right here from the haunch. You know it's what I'm saying? Hannibal it's Lecter just, it's vibe. It's so tender. You know, like it's very, yeah, I, I, so I don't, I don't. This is gross. But if I go, if we go down though, <laughs> I will me. be bobbing in the water. Like yeah. just come grab a hold of me. We talked about this the other day. We were at, we met somewhere. Oh, we were, I can't remember what we were doing, but. Across the street was uh, Bojangles, and they're serving chicken livers. Yeah. And you go, I just can't. Ugh. Livers? No, I just don't like them. I'm fine with the idea. I know, but like, it's just like, and I, but it's funny because the idea of it bothers me. Like, people really? go, I had beef tongue or whatever. I'm like, ooh. And I'm like, I only eat the leg. <laughs> I think I'm so much better. People go, I, we had, the, what is that? Oh, it's such and such encased in sheep intestine. I go, ugh, disgusting. <laughs> I eat the arms. <laughs> I gnaw on the arms and I pull the flesh away. You know what's good? Ribs. <laughs> Take a bone saw. Yeah. Cut these ribs away. You rip these apart while I'm eating them. Yeah. But ooh, you ate a what? Ooh. Ooh. Tongue. Get out of here with that yeah. disgusting person. Yeah. It's amazing what we've like made it culturally okay. Well, you know what, what they, in the fancy world, what they call, you know, a lot of the organs that you eat. No. Sweetbreads. Oh, right, yeah. So if you see sweetbreads, yeah. you're actually eating, like, I don't mm. know, organs. It's like a thing they, hmm, sweetbread, this will mm. be more palatable to some people. It's very, It'd be like, kidneys. It's, it's like early, it's like, I don't know how, I don't know when they did that, but it's a it's a super, like... I think I saw that in, like, a Hannibal thing, like, because there was something where he was referencing a recipe, and he said sweetbreads, and it ended up being, like, human organs. Uh, I've not watched any of that. I don't know what... Really? Silence of the Lambs? It won seven I, Academy Awards. I know. I just don't do... Do you know the story, though, Hannibal Lecter? Do you have any of the... You've heard the... I know some. Fava beans and a nice Chianti. And yes, I know, you all, know the, all the... All yeah. the references. Yeah. Uh, I think it's Chianti, by the way. Oh. Would you say Chianti? I think it's Achilles. What sort of... <laughs> I was going to sit here and just language shame each other yeah, the whole a, episode. What do you say? What are you, stupid? <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. I did forget to un- unhook the hose pipe last night because uh, <laughs> it was going to be freezing outside. You could just say hose. And I wanted to say hose pipe because that's what we say in Nashville. I just wonder how many of our you, Nashville do you listeners. Think people saying, do you think that's cultural? I mean, you think that's a. Uh, 
Well, since very few people who regional? live in Nashville are from here, okay. I want to know, like, original Nashvilleians, yeah. if anyone, and I don't know, and I don't mean this in a mean way, I don't know, if you were, like, raised in Brentwood, I'm not sure that we speak the exact same dialect, but yeah. if you were raised in any other part of Nashville, I wonder if, if you ever heard Hosepipe, you know, because the south part of Nashville just, it's just, Franklin and Brentwood are kind of like, they're Nashville, but they're, they're, they're different a little bit, but I like Gulletsville, Hendersonville, Gulletsville. Gulletsville, yeah. Jolton, <laughs> uh, Madison, you yeah. know, all these areas. I wonder, I would like to know who else was so, raised with the with the term hosepipe. So something happened in the show that I did at Zany's that I did not know. Sometimes you, I was kind of pacing in the green room. I didn't watch everybody's set mm-hmm. that went before me. So I had my buddy Brian Bates, who's fantastic. Then I had uh, Mike James, yeah. who's a friend of mine. And then I had Aaron Weber. Yeah. So... I cannot remember, but I think Bates had a joke about Wisconsin. Aaron had like five minutes about Wisconsin. Yeah. Where he did it with thick Wisconsin accent. Yeah. He talked about beef jerky and how he did a corporate event where it was a small town whatever in you Wisconsin. Do. No. Whatever you do, don't talk about beef jerky. And he yeah. didn't know why, but it made him want to talk about beef jerky. <laughs> he couldn't stand it. He goes, I don't have beef jerky jokes, but I had, he goes, I wanted so bad to burn this thing down. And so, but he does the Wisconsin accent like for, and I didn't know that he did that bit. I did not know that was a new bit. So when I came out and I do my joke that I've done forever about Wisconsin accents, he, Scott uh, Gillis, our, our good friend, he was there at the show. He's from Wisconsin and he had friends there and they're from Wisconsin evidently too, or he knows some people. From, and they're looking at each other and they go, what does this guy's deal with? What does everybody's deal with Wisconsin? Like <laughs> it felt like piling on, I think. Right. And I just didn't know, or I probably would have like steered around it. Cause yeah, you don't, it's not just a matter of like piling on. You just don't want to like, it's like a burnt premise. Right. Like if somebody does a bunch of Facebook jokes, then you come out and go, you guys on Facebook? Everybody <laughs> just goes, yeah, we know about Facebook. <laughs> okay. We've already been here. So if you're going to do your Facebook joke, what you would say is like, just like Aaron said about Facebook earlier, right? You would set it up and it, it kind of softens the landing a little bit for them. Yeah. But if you just act like oblivious that Wisconsin has been being talked about, which is what I did, yeah. it just feels like, what is these, what's everyone's deal with? What did we ever do to you? <laughs> eh? I don't know. They don't say that. I think that's Canada. Isn't yeah, it? it's close enough. Yeah. Um, I did, now that you pointed out, there were quite, yeah, really was. And there's a, a lot of Wisconsin of people in Nashville. Like okay, the very, Wisconsinites. There's a lot of Wisconsinites yeah, in. They're very sensitive about that. In Nashville. I think Wisconsin <laughs> people is. <laughs> The people of Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, Wiscons- I, Wisconsinians. I also noticed, by the way, we haven't talked about this in the podcast, but your friend Brian Bates, and my friend too, by the way, he had a heckler. Yeah. And I had this whole like meta sort of thought process because- Was the, he near you? Because he moved. He heckled from one side of the room, and then I heard that he moved to the other side of the room. Did you ever see me and the heckler <gasps> in the same place oh at the same gosh. time, Johnny? He looked, like dun, he, dun, dun, gla- he looked like he with glasses on. No, I'm not quick enough to be a heckler. So, yeah. but he 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 made a joke that was pretty like okay. You know, yeah, it, it was, was really it, dumb. It was, you know, and, it was very seventh grader. Yeah, and Brian just like pretty much ignored him. Yeah. And I thought to myself, mm-hmm. this is a real friend because I know Brian. Yeah, and I know that he could have absolutely obliterated that right. guy. Right. In like in his sleep, and mm-hmm. I saw him look at him, and it was almost like nope, nope, like he's scrolling yeah, yeah, in his yeah. head. And it was like, this is Johnny's show. You know, yeah. if he would have been opening for someone else, there's a good chance that that guy yeah. would have been just taken down. And I thought, that's a really good friend move. Like, he knows, 
He knows that Johnny has a clean show. He knows that a lot of Johnny's church friends are going to be here. You know, so, like I was thinking about all the stuff he wanted to say. He literally put to the side so that you could have. Yeah. Well, <laughs> luckily the manager went over there, George, who's fantastic. And he was like, the guy goes, what it was is Bates goes, uh, I just recently got married for the first time at age 48. And the, it's just a setup. He just, and then before he could even go to the next line, the guy goes, what's his name? Yeah. And then George, the manager, runs over and goes, no! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like smacked his hand, like sprayed a mist of water on the cat, you know? <laughs> which I told George he should get like a little spray bottle for hecklers, which well, would be Well, because the guy was, was, I think, well, here's what it was. pretty inebriated. Here's, here's the story. So I wondered that because I was like, who's here at my show? Because you know there's going to be a few people wondering. They're just like, hey, it's a comedy show. But a lot of people were there. They know my comedy. They, whatever. They were there to see me. But that was the Titans week of Monday Night Football, and there were a ton of Bills fans in town. Yep. So we discerned that that guy was a Bills Mafia guy. Yeah. Which is what their fans are called. He's not really in the Mafia. But oh. <laughs> they call their fan base the Bills Mafia. So they travel to all these Bills games, and they get rowdy in the cities, and they go get drunk. So he was just drunk in Nashville and wandered into the club because he, he had Bills gear on, evidently. Yeah. And he was with other Bills fans. And just like – We saw all, Bills he fans was, at dinner. He was night, already yeah. drunk – at 6.15 when they opened the doors. Like, they opened the doors. He stumbled to, to a table. Wow. So they already knew he was going to be a problem. And then when he said that thing, George goes, no. And then he moved to another side of the room and stopped talking. Wow. So for whatever George did, it worked. But you're right. Bates engaging him would have given him, like, I'm in the show now. Yeah. Like, there's some hecklers. You can shame them. And yeah. they go, oh, I better be quiet. But when you give attention to somebody like that, that's just a forest fire waiting yeah. for more you know, timber to burn, like it would have been bad news. So he knew to lay off. And plus, he just let George handle it. He let the manager handle it. Well, it was pretty. I wanted to know what all he would have said. Like, that's in my mind. I was going, I <laughs> what's he going to do? Because I thought it, too. I, I was standing in the back of the room when that happened. And I immediately was like projecting forward like 30 minutes to when I was going to be on stage. Playing, like, this is going to be a long night if they don't get this guy yeah, shut, shut down. Yeah, because I was thinking of you. Think of all the jokes you have that, like, well, he's going to get me here. Like, yeah. this is going to be. You could tell where his palette of uh, right was going to be. So yeah, but then he just, I, you know, somebody told me they saw him like bowled over laughing at my jokes, and I was like, so he got involved in the show. Like, he enjoyed the show. It wasn't just a matter of like he shut up and like passed out. He, actually, he just thought he had something funny to say, and what was that? Maybe just maybe Brian's comedy was that bad. He, Brian shouldn't have given him an opening. <laughs> you know, our buddy Brian just announced that he's having a baby. That's amazing. At age fifty. Wow. Let me tell you something. First, bro. first it'll kid. Ma- it'll make him young. I am excited for him. That's not true, parent. It doesn't make him young. No. But it, but I, but it actually make him feel he's gonna he's gonna love it. Oh, I'm so excited for him. I would love to have the wisdom of fifty years when I entered into parenthood. I think but, you're assuming a lot about Brian. <laughs> 50 is not just an age that everyone, you know, just because somebody's 50. Like, I had 30 years of wisdom when I first yeah. when I first became a parent, you know, yeah. and, and, and you're like, oh, I thought I knew stuff. But now I'm like, wow. I, I, but a lot of the stuff you knew was from being a parent. You learned, you learned from, you learn empathy, you learn. And I don't mean this to be, parenting changes your life so much differently than marriage does, uh-huh. in my opinion. Yeah. You know, when someone is married and they're like, this is going to be such a huge change. And you're like, it is like your lives are made together. But in comparison to what it's like to go from being a married person or just a person to a parent, Mm -hmm. I would say it's at least a hundred times more of a jarring transition. Yeah. Because when you get married, it's not like you have to stop sleeping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Usually. You could choose to not sleep or whatever, but you're in charge. Yeah. Like 
there, there's a, you know, you, you might combine bank accounts, but that's really logistics and learning how you are going to share a philosophy of finances mm-hmm. and communication is so key. Like, but even as I'm saying it, it's all like, ah, like you know, these, these are great things for you guys to work on. And then becoming a parent uh-huh. is like someone just dropped an anvil through the roof and there's just a hole there now. And you got to learn, you get, you got you to realize learn. I gave birth to an anvil. <laughs> What, on top what, of have, the roof. what have we done? Why didn't we go to a hospital, first of all? <laughs> what gender is this anvil? Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. How do you even can, – <laughs> I can't pick it up to put a diaper on it. But, and it's, and it's, but it's a wonderful anvil, Johnny. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. But yeah. it is a like – like you really aren't the same person yeah. for ever again. And, and in a good way. Like I love being a dad. I think that's – I'm a better me, but it wasn't like an easy better me. Like, yeah, yeah. you know what? I decided that we were going to get on the same page. Like, nope, there's no page. Yeah, my friend Aaron talked about having a girl, and he want. I think he wanted a boy, and he was so glad in retrospect. Now he's like his girl is six or seven, eight yeah. now. He's so glad that he had a girl. He said it really taught me empathy and compassion and because he said you want a boy if you're a guy you want a boy so you can be roughhouse and you can teach him man things and all this stuff but when you have a girl you have to like address that side of yourself that yeah. doesn't want to have tea parties yeah you know and you know doesn't want to dance in the living room put on the t- all the stuff that you did you know you have to be soft if they fall and hurt their knee you can't be like rub dirt on it like if it's right. a girl you got to be like get down there with him you gotta you gotta be okay with that stuff yeah and he said that made him a better man which I think is kind of an interesting perspective. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I'm I, not. I only have one kid. Obviously, um, I was around kids a lot, you know, and, and I have a I have a lot of little brothers, you know, kind of thing from mm-hmm. youth ministry that are you know in their lives now as adults, um, and and a lot of little sisters as well. But like the the way that the way that I guard a a girl, I don't know. I often wonder how that would feel. I have friends that have boys, you know, it, it is different and, and all, and, and boys and girls, you can have dramatic boys and you, you can, can have well, no, girls. that's what I was going to yeah, say yeah, is I, I mean, was a, sen- I was a sensitive kid. Oh. And so my mom probably, you know, she, I don't know that she would have raised me any differently if I was a girl. I mean, I mean there's differences, sure. but I'm saying like, these are all like cultural norms that it's a spectrum and everybody's a little bit different. Like if you have a kid who's more into the arts than they are into sports, you're going to have to approach that kid differently. Yeah. You just, you just are. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, the world affected me a lot different than it did my brothers. Like, I would take in outside information and immediately internalize it and despair over it. Yeah. And my brothers weren't necessarily like that. Yeah, and I think that's why things like the Enneagram and all that bring – they bring up a, a larger spectrum to the conversation because yeah. a lot of our lives, conversations about how people are built – are boiled down to gender and boiled down to introvert, extrovert, yeah. outgoing, uh-huh. you know, homebody. Like you know, they're, they're very simplified and they're very binary, you know, like everything's, I think that's what I am an outgoing homebody. <laughs> I just want to be home until I don't. And then I have to go out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was telling, I was telling, talking to my therapist friend about that. Like I am a, but understand, I have better language for this now. I'm actually a one-to-one. There's subtypes. Uh-huh. I'm a one-to-one counterphobic six, which means I value like experiences and relationships with tight-knit inner circle things more than I do wanting to experience this with a larger group of people. That's why I don't do small talk very well. 
But I've discovered I do small talk great with my inner circle. Yeah. Like you and I can sit and talk about UT football for an hour. Like I don't, I don't need to mind the depths. Why? Because we've mined the depths before. Yeah. So the relationship is a place where all kinds of conversations are now allowed, are now allowed, not, not allowed. And, but if I don't know you, the small talk is fine for a while. Yeah. And then I'll feel like, well, well, where is this going? Mm -hmm. You know, like, are we going to have a real friendship or not? Like, I don't, I don't. I've learned to have, I've had to train myself to have acquaintances. <laughs> like acquaintances are good. You don't need to be best friends with everybody in your it's life. It's impossible. Right. So understanding the circles, but if you're just an outgoing person or just, you know, a homebody or whatever, then it's just way too simple. It's like, no, there's a, a, a lot of complexity and nuance to the way that I interact. And there's actually ways I can learn that and be healthier or change my expectations so that people aren't disappointing me all the yeah. time or be okay with the fact that I like deep conversations. You know? I like deep conversations, but I also, I think, um, small talk is expected of me mm -hmm. like after shows and stuff. Yeah. And I've learned to be okay with it and be good at it yeah. because it's like people, uh, I don't see people want a piece of you after a show. Cause that sounds like it's a bad thing, but they want to have a one-on-one -on -one interaction with you, yeah. especially if they've connected with your comedy. Man, I saw Leanne. I worked with Leanne Morgan a couple of weeks ago, and it was like a spur-of-the-moment thing. I got added to the show because the other guy could not make it to the show. Mm -hmm. He was stuck in Palm Springs. So I just got like, hey, can you do the show? I jump in the car. I drive to Alabama to do this show with her. 700 people came to see her, and she's exploding right now. She's yeah. like a 21-year overnight success. Right. So she's had this year of just crazy growth from her social media. All of her comedy is being discovered by this whole group of people. And it's a lot of moms. It's a lot of like middle-aged moms yeah. and housewives. And that's like, she feels like she's hitting that because it's been ignored by other comedians. Yeah. Like that's just not been addressed. So her fans are rabid. I've never seen anything quite like it except for Tim Hawkins. So yeah. it's like the connection to a crowd. So like a hundred people or so had bought these VIP tickets, maybe 60, 70 people. Then the person's explained to me, and now these people said that they, we've told these people they get to meet you. She goes, oh, it's fine. So, and this is COVID. I mean, but she's in her green, her green room and I'm with her. I'm kind of like sitting at the table and she's standing up and these people one after one come in, but it's not like, Hey, let's get a quick photo with Leanne. They all have a Leanne story. Mm. Oh, this joke you have is just like the such and such. My mom is just like your bit about the blah, blah, blah. And my daughter is exactly like, and she sits there and just like takes it all in smiles. And then after the 75th person finally leaves the green room. And she shuts the door. I think she's going to be like, oh, my gosh. Like, she's done an hour and ten minutes of comedy before this. Now an yeah. hour of meeting and greeting. And she looks back at me and she goes, weren't those the sweetest people? And I was like, you are made of sugar. Like, <laughs> what in the world? Like, she, it would have been totally within her rights to just be exhausted. And to, to me, another comedian who gets it would yeah. just go, that was a lot. Yeah. But it wasn't a lot. She loves it. Like, she got into comedy to connect with people, yeah. and she's getting to connect with people, and it's her dream. So for me, I'm in the middle somewhere. I love meeting people, but I've learned that some people like will come up and say an awkward thing, and I have to diffuse it by being funny yeah. and make it not awkward for them. Mm -hmm. It's awkward for me, but I have to make it not awkward for them. Interesting. So I have, I've learned it's a skill set that I've developed, and now I'm just like totally comfortable with it. Like I'm totally comfortable being around 
a group, not just on stage, but I'm uncomfortable being around a group of like 10 people at my merch table buying a shirt and making an awkward dad joke to me. Yeah. Like, I'm like, this is fine. It's really fine. And this is part of the job. And, and, some, and I've met some cool people that way. Yeah. So that's fat. And I've watched you do that. I've been with you afterwards plenty, many, many times where I can tell this person's putting themselves out there. Yeah. And that's hard. And I, I have respect for that. Right. Like it took them courage to walk up and say whatever they were thinking kind of thing, you know, to you to try to get you to laugh because it mattered to them that yeah. you would laugh at that. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's just like, hey, we, I listen to the podcast and we love it. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. or they'll reference a joke. Like I have a joke about people saying, tell me a joke. Right. And they, people do that. The comedians put you on the spot and don't do that. And they'll walk up and say, tell me, tell me a joke. Yeah. And it's just their way of like, and I'm like, uh, you and know. Give me a dollar. Yeah, right. Whatever. It's fun. It, I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm like, uh, because this is such like, I can't, I never, when I was a kid, I can't even imagine what I would have thought if I thought. You get to go tell your dumb jokes, and people pay you to do it. Yeah, I, my head would have exploded. So well, I can't imagine. So I'm definitely not being that. But but I have learned to develop that skill set of like I would not have been comfortable with small talk and like trying to almost like comfort a crowd in an awkward situation because it's yeah. awkward. I'm selling you shirts and DVDs after I was just on stage. A lot of people don't do that. You know, some comics you get to a certain level, they're like, I don't want to go out and like hawk my wares. Yeah. And meet people. I'm too big for that. It'll be a it'll be chaos. To me, that's why I do it. I like that moment where I get to like, oh, yeah. hey, I was up there, now I'm down here, and I'm shaking your hand. Like, thanks for coming to the show. I'm probably more comfortable on the stage. You know, it's so funny. Introverts becoming pastors or public speakers. Part of that is is it's like there's a separation. So I I'm more comfortable probably. Speaking to the crowd doesn't matter how big it is. It really doesn't. That yeah. doesn't. That doesn't change me in my introvert extrovert world. But the after the aftermath, I'm less. Uh, again, I call it aftermath if that tells you something. But after the 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 fact, I'm more likely to feel drained from it mm. and want to go be either alone or with a small group of people that I already am very trustworthy, but or tr- have trust with. But like some pastors, they want to go straight to the four year meet every visitor that was there. And I'll do that sometimes because um, that's, that's the job. And I, here's the thing. I always enjoy that. Yeah. But it wasn't like, but I had to, I had to decide to go do it. Yeah. Natural, natural. extroverts are like, they were on their way. There was no thought right. process. Like for me, there's a lot more thought process. Yeah. Of, All right. You know, I, I need to go do this and, and it's good. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I enjoy it. Um, but it's not, yeah, it's not like the natural like decision, muscle memory. Right. Yeah. To do it. And you know, anytime, Somebody that engages on something that was in a book or a sermon after the fact, if I've talked about something, that's always great. It's very rewarding and because yeah. it's a deep conversation. <laughs> well, if you only do the thing that is the easy part of your job, you wouldn't get anything done. If you only do the thing that you're like, oh, right. this comes naturally to me. Like, yeah. I wouldn't, like, I'm going to Minneapolis for three days. Basically, I'm going to do a show in uh, Wilmar, Minnesota, a town called Buffalo, Minnesota, which I didn't know existed. And then I'll do a show in Minneapolis area in a town called Adena. Or a Dinah, I don't know. They'll tell me when I get there. And uh, so I'm in Minneapolis for three days. But I have to get on a plane, check bags, do all of that crap, make sure my hotel reservation is right. Like, those are the parts of the job I don't like. But they get me to the part that I do. Like, if I just want, well, I I tell jokes. That's what I do. No, you get on, you're a delivery driver. Yeah. You go get on a plane, and you take your jokes with you, and you vomit them out and then you get on a plane and you come home you're it's all you are you're a delivery person 
like you have to kind of go, well, this is to get to do the thing that I really love. I got to do these other things that are like more of not natural to me. It's funny that you say that because I was just talking to a friend about I'm exploring some some things post this book release. There's yeah. a lot of conversations happening about what, okay, what do I need to do next? You know, to keep putting the right content in the right places to engage in this particular conversation on race and other things. And I said, you know, sometimes what I feel like is I, this is crazy. Like I cook pizzas. Mm -hmm. That's what I do as a writer. Like I make this thing, Yeah. you know, I flavor it. I deal with it. I, you know, find the ingredients. It's a job that I love that I, I like that part, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I have to cook the pizza, walk outside, get in the car and go deliver it. Yeah. And that's the part I don't like. Right, right, right. Like, I don't, like, I don't mind all of that, mm-hmm. but I'm not, how good could I possibly be mm-hmm. at all of this if I have to cook the pizza and deliver it? Like, yeah, and then you see people who are good at all three things or all, uh, you know, and, and you go, and they're thriving, and you just go, how do they, uh, how do they have that? And it's, it can be frustrating. Mitch Hedberg used to have a bit about that, about how when he got into comedy, he got good at comedy, and then people were like, can you act? And he'd be like, it'd be like if I was a chef, and they were like, yeah, but can you farm? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And I'm a real team guy. That's that one-on-one thing. Like, I'm all about the team. Um, You know, my literary agent is a dear friend, Mm -hmm. several of the guys from it. And we've now been working together over a decade. And a lot of authors change agents, you know, six, seven times kind of thing, you know. Like I've so value, you know, what longevity brings to relationships. I've been the same church for 18 years. You know, I've been married for 21. I've been like, you know, I just sometimes maybe when there are things in life I should try that are different, mm-hmm. you know, that I don't. It's not that I'm scared to try because I'm actually super adventurous, but I want to do the adventure with the same people that I'm always with. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I, I, I don't want new people. I want new experiences, yeah. but I don't want it with new people. Yeah, there was a Seinfeld about that, about how like you get to a certain level in life where you're just not accepting new applications for friends. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. you're like, we're all full up here. Yeah. And the truth is, like, that's a sad thing because sometimes like you have your old friends from high school that slowly like the last one fades away or whatever, and then you're just like, they're your nights close, you drift apart, and then you're just like, I don't know how to make new friends. Yeah. In my forties, and I like we have, we have middle aged friends like that who are just like they don't have really close friends, and we're just like, yeah, me and you met. We were in our twenties. You were twenty one, maybe. How old were you? You oh, were you I were young. Eight, you were I 18, was 18, 18, 19. Yeah. I was in my early twenties. So yeah, it's like we've known each other that long. Like I can't imagine like starting over with somebody like trying to figure out what the shorthand is in the relationship and all that stuff. Like. It's right. a lot of investment. So you almost don't want to give up on that. You're like, even if me and you had a falling out, I'd be like, yeah, but come on, man. I don't have time for I'm not grooming another person. Another jar. Get out of here. <laughs> and I do like making new friends. You know, I, I get surprised by that. I think, you know, your circle is limited, but yeah. there are other kinds of circles that are also inner circles that aren't daily inner circles. Um, and they're, they're working relationships. This is the book right here. Guys. What circles yeah, are you in? You know, these concentric circles of relationships. Yeah. I looked on LinkedIn yesterday. That's where I call it the friend diagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I looked on LinkedIn yesterday. And somebody was posting one of these. Like it was like this circular chart mm-hmm. for you know marketing business or whatever. It was like all these these again concentric mm-hmm. 
slotted pie pieces of what the organization values here and what you value here with, you know, the team members, individual contributions and what they value here with overall ethos and culture. And I just looked at it. It's supposed to make this all simpler or whatever. And I was just like, I'm exhausted just seeing this visual that someone put so much time into to make all the systems work for them and their team. I'm just going, well, there's no wonder I'm probably not good at any of these things. Cause yeah. I'm just like, you know what? I don't yeah. Know the time. business side of things as somebody who likes to create is so frustrating because you're like, Oh, I just want to make a thing that I like and hope that other people like it. And instead you start, it's like companies that have their eye on the ball in the beginning. They're like, Hey, we made an Apple computer. This is like something we believe in. And then, by the time you get 30 years down the road, all you think about is like, what are the shareholders thinking? Yeah. And you're making decisions that are based on that. Like what will move the needle? You're not worried about the product anymore. So I was always afraid of that happening where yeah. I go, all right, this guy's on social media every day doing a face to camera video. I guess that's what I need to do, even if it's not like my skill set. Yeah. So then I just run out and like try to do all that. It's like, what if I don't love that though? What if I like doing stand up comedy? I mean, I think you can do both, but it's like that thing of like, don't take your eye off the ball. So I've always been terrible at that. Like, what about the algorithm? Let's figure out how to defeat that. I'm like, I'm just going to write jokes and hope that it works out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are dancing on the nerve of everything that I wonder about daily. Because I don't know if stewardship is... Doing the face-to-camera video regardless of how you feel about maybe, it. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's the small talk. Maybe that's what I see right. to, like, suck it up and, like, go do it because I'll end up getting good at it. Yep. And I'll enjoy it even. Well, again, and, and there's a – how many times you and I, you know, in mentoring teenagers over the years yeah. would tell them, like, look, you're not – you're not entitled to get paid to do what you love. Right. That's sort of a misnomer of the last few generations. Like mm-hmm. this whole life is too short to do, to do a job that you don't love. It's like, guys, ask our grandparents. Or like, Yeah, that's what hobbies are. Like, right. a million, like we don't even know what hobbies are anymore. Like we try to monetize our hobbies or their failures. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Like if you're just crocheting a quilt just to do it because it's for your grandkids, it's like, what are you doing? You don't have an Etsy store? What are you, crazy? <laughs> You should be making 10 of these a week. Why are you working at Walmart? That's Get weird. back in your sweatshop. <laughs> it's like we don't do anything just for fun anymore. It's like, so like, true. It's not enough for us to play kickball. We need a kickball league. We need registration right. fees. <laughs> right. We needed to make sure there was 100 photos to right. chronicle who won. Right. And now we need to go promote those photos, exactly. boost them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a weird – and you, if you throw then faith into it, this is where – this is what I am talking to my therapist about <laughs> like yeah. managing like I'm a work guy. My dad raised me doing hard manual labor. Mm-hmm. So thank God for that because it taught me like, well, sometimes you're going to have to pick up this weed eater yeah. and go do this for 12 hours. And this is not what you've dreamed to do. Right. And you could enjoy it. Uh-huh. In fact, you will enjoy it. You just, you know, be okay with it. Just be okay with a bunch of stuff that this is not what everyone volunteered to do. So for Pastoring, that's been such a beneficial lesson. Like, you know what? I'm going to have to do a spreadsheet at the end of the year that helps us evaluate X. I don't – it's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. If I sit here and hate it, then it's an unnecessary expenditure right. of energy into that hatred. Well, it's easy in a pastor position, too, to just deflect and be like, what does this have to do with the gospel? Right. Who's being saved? The spreadsheet is not <laughs> – 
<laughs> it's like you're just trying to deflect because you don't want to do that. You don't want to do it. Yeah. Evaluation. Yeah. And there's a lot of things in pastoring I'm not good at because of that, that I, I'm kind of where you are. I go, well, yeah. I don't, if, because I do get, I can get poisoned to a certain point. It could become almost, I, I hate this word, almost toxic to me. If I spend all my time mm-hmm. in a ministry or creative endeavor on the side of it, that's not exclusively ministry or creativity. So, for example, the book release, like I am now in the part of the book release that I'm having to drive the pizza. Yeah. Now, I love the interviews because it's deep conversations. Right. That's not the part. No, no, Put no. me on it's interviews. trying to get the interview. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's who's going to help because you think those things don't just happen. Uh-huh. And you can't get them, any of them generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kind of things like someone else. You have to have a team, a partner, someone, and then you're usually not the only person that they're doing that for. So now, right, you have to decide. Oh, how squeaky of a wheel am I going to be? Mm-hmm. But you it's still in your court. Everything about these things are in your court in terms of the follow up. You know, I got. So I mean, I keep these just lists around me all the time of what I need to be doing, what I need to not. You know, what I need to avoid. What, where's the priority? And you have a pie chart of your own in your house. It, it, it's a spreadsheet of your... And if I live in it without <laughs> having creativity in a week or two... 30% paranoia, 20%, that fits yeah, your pie. That's what it is, exactly. <laughs> Insecurity is 12%. Yeah, well, it's up, yeah. It's up. In the insecurity market right now, the, the securities are high. It'd be great to be like, if you put your actual core values, you stencil them on the wall in your house instead of like live, laugh, love. It was just like, like horrible, yeah, horrible, like... Fear? Uh, we hold grudges here. Or whatever. You're just like, wow, this family's got different creeds than I grew up with. Gosh, that's great. That's great. But it's a... It, I find myself, like, I have a couple other projects, like collaboration projects, which is my normal sort of writing job, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if I'll, like, in some ways, I'm like, yeah, just put me back in a project. Put yeah. me back where, all right, need to write 10,000 words this week, you know, mm-hmm. because I, t- I find comfort. I'm in my zone. That That's what I do. There's no expectation for it. I, it doesn't matter if it sells, doesn't sell on my side. That's someone else's job. Yeah. I need to serve this author well, steward this message well, and I can be in the craft. I can be like, okay, like if you write a joke, like I don't have to worry if they laugh or not. Do I like it? Is yeah. it, is it, you know, there's but eventually a, it comes to that. Eventually it does. But for yeah. my job, which is why it's really a craft. Your job is different because you're crafting and then it's, then it's out there. Yeah. But yeah. You're crafting someone else's message, but I'm saying like, once it's out there, it's not like you can be like, Oh, they didn't like that. Let me change eight words. Like I can go change eight words. Yeah, but imagine I can. It's like I'm re-releasing my book every show. Uh, oh wow, yeah. I mean, eventually I get it to where it's like this is the right. book. But for the first time, like I did a few jokes for the first time at the Zany uh-huh. show, and it's like, all right, well, this one's seventy-five percent done. That's great. This one's like sixty percent. It's going to need some help. This one came in with some duct tape on it. <laughs> this one may need to be just scrapped. Like. All that's happening as you move through the show. So yeah, you just go back. So I'm like giving them a little bit of my book, but not. But yeah. So you're, with you, it's like, hey, I worked on this for a year. Here, Here it, it is. is. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. But imagine if you were. This is this is probably really great for you. Imagine if you were writing a joke that someone else is telling tomorrow night. Uh huh. They got booed or they got not laughed at or whatever. Right. And then you got to. Oh well, I guess that didn't work. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That's collaboration. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's like yeah. a. 
you care but then about I get it. the angry call from that guy. Well, they might not use you again. If, it, if it's super bad, you won't get used again. So that's the thing. You want to do yeah, well. But I could blame them. I could be like, well, your presentation was... Right. You, I can't help. You know how the market is. Who knows what could happen? You can't predict these things. You know, it, it, you can't predict what the crowd's going to be like. The lighting was wrong. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there is a safety in it. But then I like the courageous. I'm having to be courageous. Mm-hmm. I'm having to go take meetings and do things I wouldn't normally do. And then the whole like, God, this is where it comes down to me. God, are you pleased that I, I am going after new things or are you displeased that I'm worried about them at all and not just doing what you made me to do Yeah, and trust that you have brought many opportunities. And then this is something I'm, I've discovered about myself. You already know this, but I overlay every single thought process and decision among multiple biblical characters and stories. Yeah. It's how I make decisions. Uh-huh. And everything, like if you're having a life moment, you go, this is like Joseph being thrown into the pit. Yeah. By his brothers and sold into slavery. I'm like, John, this is, we're just We're just picking lunch we're restaurant. Just, yeah, bro. We're just trying to have just trying to have pick an appetizer, bro. This is not It's very intense. It's very well, when I get to a like the But I get what you mean. A lot of people do that. To platform build, for example. Yeah. Is either. Here are the choices for yeah. what it is for me. And normally they're Hold not. Hold on, let me guess. Uh House on the Sand. No. No, that's no, not it. No, but that's a good one. Uh Hold on. Uh, it's the, if the if the uh, if the laborers build without if the Lord doesn't build the house, the that's laborers who labor build in vain. I that's quote, one. I quote that that's one a lot. platform. But like, that doesn't yeah. make me not want to do it. It makes me go because the Bible literally says Psalm one twenty seven. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it, I'm going. Okay, who's building? Right. So there. That's a so really interesting. That's a mystery kind of verse. Yeah, it's a cool verse. But you're in the vein now. That's like the Lord. I believe help thou my unbelief. It's like yes. a what? It's yeah. like a head head twisting kind of a. They that wait a upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Yeah. Like uh, you know, but weakness or if I'm waiting, I'm not strong. I don't know. So no, but you got to think characters. Think biblical characters. Okay, sure. Can you platform? Do that? No, you go. Give me who's your platform. So I mean, pick. number one is. If I stop to worry about platform, am I David right. taking a sinful census of the people, trying to get it done himself? Or David has two or three on this one. Am I David? This is an obscure David story. You're like, remember when David took that census? Like, I don't, I don't know if I remember this story. <laughs> I just thought everybody knew about you're David's census. Like, you're just digging in, man. <laughs> so when David took a census without God telling him to, yeah. and it was super disciplined. I, I think a pestilence fell over the people and they started dying. <sighs> Because it was like he wanted to quantify yeah. the strength of his monarchy. Right. So he had lost that humility at that moment. Okay, there's one. Two, Saul has slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. I have a Saul here too, by the way. This is like likes and follows. Tens of thousands and tens of thousands. Come on, man. Holy moly. Yeah. Okay. And so number two would be David in the armor yeah. against Goliath. Uh-huh. Is me trying to decide how I interact on social media, putting on armor that doesn't fit, as right. opposed to just taking the, this is my message, this is my my small, yeah. smooth stone, and either God knocks, either God kills a giant of racism, whatever, with it, or he doesn't. And mm. I, But in the story, like, and I totally get it. Yeah. I'm no David. I know I'm not David. But I do I believe. Think you, I think you think you're David. I think. Yes. <laughs> Let's be honest. I'm kind of like David. No, but. I, I see more of as a Jeroboam. <laughs> It'd be funny. It's funny when people like go back and they they do their past <laughs> lives or whatever. They go to some quack that goes like you were. It's always they were like a right. Joan of Arc. Or they're something. like, oh, you lived in a dung pile. <laughs> you come from garbage. <laughs> like it's never. They're always like, oh yeah, Joan of Arc. I right, was yeah. right. Well, 
<laughs> and this is again another thing with my therapist I'm talking about. Like the 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 biblical stories, yeah, they have to have context. But Paul often would use them, and so so would Jesus and whomever he would say. Like they are there for you to glean. Yeah, that's what they're for. Right. You are supposed to apply them to your life. But we then do it you, with any other. Fa- we do it with fables too. We do it with you know yeah. story. We do it with Doctor Seuss. We but, do it. With, you know, we we put ourselves in the story. But you got to wake up though and go. Okay, I'm not actually Moses. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but but I also don't want to downplay. This is now not humble pride. This is like the gospel. Like, I'm just as important to God as Moses. Man, okay. My value. Yeah. Okay. My, but my situation may not be, it's not going to be identical, obviously. So right. I feel like this is the vice presidential debate where the guy <laughs> said, you're no Jack Kennedy or whatever. I knew Jack Kennedy, John. I worked with Jack Kennedy. You're, you're no Jack you're Kennedy. You're no Moses. <laughs> you're no Moses. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> so, all right. That's, well, I think we've done three now. These yeah. are the things that might go through my head. Uh-huh. Uh, you see why I'm in therapy. Um, Am I Saul? Uh-huh. This is a big one. Am I Saul when Samuel wouldn't show up? Remember mm-hmm. that? He wouldn't show up for the sacrifice. And right. so Saul did it himself. Right. He waited several days and he wouldn't show up. Mm-hmm. And God was like super displeased. Also, Saul couldn't get an answer after Samuel had died. And he went and conjured up with a medium. And God allowed Samuel to actually show up, which is very rare. And the medium freaked out because it was obviously not what yeah. she was expecting. And so, like, this whole, am I just getting ahead of God? I don't want to wait on him, and I'm just going to try to conjure my own way. Is that what all – and then, then I get super – it's like super judgy statements. That means all of you guys out there who are doing that, mm-hmm. who are running your platforms and growing and doing all that, you guys are not waiting on God. You know, so, like, I don't right. I a, don't think that about you, but that's, right. that's the implication if I go all the way down that. Yeah. Uh, and then Moses is another one. The whole, like, come out of Egypt – and immediately God sends you to the Red Sea, and immediately you're about to be pursued and killed. And immediately, what do they say? Why did you bring us here to die? Yeah. So I have that. Why did you Why did you even give me these books and these opportunities if I'm just going to be unsuccessful at them or not what they could? Because to me, failure is a lack of maximizing potential. Mm-hmm. Like it's a huge part for me. If I don't maximize this opportunity to all it could be, it feels like failure. So I could be in an amazing moments. And if in my mind the expectation has not been met of what it could fully be, yeah, then I can be disappointed with right. amazing moments, uh, which I know that about myself, and that's the infuriating part. That doesn't even change it. But I can now become aware of it, and I can begin to, to shepherd myself better according to these things like, hey, no, you got to remember <laughs> – there's a good chance you're not going to get a call tomorrow that yeah. you, that you want a you know Nobel Peace Prize because you did something. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's probably not going to happen. If you get them, <laughs> you haven't even applied. <laughs> if you get that call, John, that is that's spam. <laughs> Please don't take that call. Well, it turns out it was it was from a prince in Africa, and all they needed was my bank account. <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize Committee. <laughs> it's an eight six six number. You're like this feels <laughs> this feels weird. Okay. So, uh, so I'll, give you my, I'll give you my pin number, but like, I'm what's not happy it for? about this. All the stuff. We couldn't even pick one. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Uh, also, I want you to come to London to speak. Anyway, yeah, yeah that, that hurt. So, <laughs> but, That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, you almost, I you, almost bought tickets to go to London. And it was a scam. But it was a real Didn't they, somebody else go through it, too? Like yeah. you knew that said, oh, yeah, I got the same deal. But the deal was it was a real person emailing me, and they mm-hmm. sent me to a real website where that real person existed at a real church. But they stole that church's identity in the so email. you never talked to a person on the phone, though? 
No, it was emails. But I could go find the person, and I could see their sermons, and I could see all oh, the stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. so it's but a, they're just—it's like a catfishing. They're right. using that person's profile. It right. probably isn't that person. It wasn't real. So it'd be like, it'd be like, hey, John Drivers invited me to the Church of Pleasant Grove. Oh, well, John Drivers a real guy. I can find him. Oh, well, look, there's a sermon. There's this, this Dude, and that. It's real. Yeah. And it's, let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened. This is because I know we're wrapping up, but this really happened a few years ago. So there's a comedy booker uh, in North Carolina or South Carolina, and he got caught doing this. So what he would do is he would book a show with like a bigger name, like not a huge name where it would be in the papers, but like a big name where somebody would pay like top dollar, yeah. like a couple thousand dollars for like that had comedy central credits or whatever. And so I'm trying to think of somebody who that might be like, let's say you book like a Mitch Hedberg type person or yeah. somebody who has credits say, Oh, they're going to come to your show. Cool. 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 Mitch never knows because he is not aware of it. Like that guy's not booking him. But they start promoting the show. There's posters up all over the town. It's some small town in South Carolina, the theater. Mitch Hedberg, Mitch Hedberg. A couple of weeks before the show, he goes, Mitch has had a family emergency and can't make the show. I'm so sorry. The guy's like, we've already sold 500 tickets. He goes, I'm, I'm going to provide with you, for you a replacement comic. No At which point he calls Marty Simpson or Johnny W. and says, hey, I got a show. It's in two weeks. And... Buford, South Carolina, at a theater. They've already sold 500 tickets. It's like a weekly or it's like a monthly series. They don't even care who the comedians are, blah, blah, blah. So you show up thinking it's your booking. And then as long as they don't ever say to you, yeah, we were really, and sometimes that's how the guy got caught because the guy goes, yeah, we were disappointed. Man, tell Mitch we're praying for him. And then Marty or me would go, what? Wow. They go, yeah, you know, he had to bail. And then they all started putting two and two together and this guy like, got busted. Why would, why would he have not just told the comedian he's booking that you're coming? Because it's for way it. more money than they would have come for, way, way less money than they would have gotcha. come for. It's like a whole scam. And of course he's, of course it's more money so that he can pay you because you're not getting the 2000, you're getting 500. Right. So, so he's he, making 1500 off of Mitch's su supposed, supposed name. So it's like catfishing yeah. with somebody's reputation. Plus he fell to the theater with Mitch's And plus name. you make the guy look bad when the guy looks online and sees that Mitch is in another, Mitch is a bad example because he died of a heroin odor. But I'm saying like when you look and see that comedian is in another city the same night that he was supposedly sick and you're like, what a jerk. Wow. So that you don't think the booker did it. You think Mitch did it. Like it's, it was very insidious and it probably still is happening, honestly. Wow. Cause like, I think Marty showed up one night. This really happened to Marty. He showed up one night and the guy's poster, it wasn't like a big name, but it was a bigger name than he is, was all still on the wall. Wow. And it said, you know, the date. And he goes, what's this about? And they go, yeah, he's sick. So that's why we called you. And Marty goes, huh, I didn't. And then he started like, oh, no. Unbelievable. Isn't that crazy? Wow. So there's a lot of stuff going on like that. Not just him. I mean, it's so scary, sad when it's ministry doing it. Like, because you're using like somebody's, like you said, somebody's kind of like chasing a little bit, a platform. They're like, yeah. I am big enough to go to England. Yeah. It like oh. feeds that ego. Gosh, I hate it. I didn't know I was that. Yo, we love you. We love you. You got to come. Jolly good. And then they say, <laughs> all you got to do is say jolly good in the email. You're like, this seems legit. This is authenticated. I like, the, the flip side of that is, is like, you know, GMA calls. You're like, you know, who is this? No, right. you're not, you know, like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah right, nice try, you hang up on them, Yeah, you know? it's true. It's, it's like, no, seriously, no, listen, if anyone listening is from London and yeah. you're in ministry, I really, I have some We'd family, like I have go. some family history research I like to do in that area. Oh, boy. Uh, he has a lot to offer, you guys. But, I mean, I'm happy to do Sundays, uh, and uh, I really, <laughs> I really want to go, so, I mean, yeah. You're just opening yourself up to be catfished again. <laughs>
You're like, this guy would fall for it again. I want to get all these people sending me these emails. No. No. Um, Listen, we do appreciate your emails, though. Yes. And um, we read a few last week, and uh, we're not reading any this week. No. So... No, your time is up. But if you'll send us more, we'll continue the process with you. Um, appreciate all of you who have gone and uh, watched Johnny's comedy, guys. It means a lot to us. And your comments. John, if you haven't listened, it's if you not haven't about that, if you haven't left Johnny a rating, okay, if you haven't <laughs> rated it, go rate Johnny. Go watch my dry bar, especially because I get actually residuals mm-hmm. from that. So if it gets enough views, I'll start getting like they have profit sharing with dry bar. So yeah, those comics get uh, some of the if it's pennies on the dollar. But come on, yeah. What do we, you know, those add up. They do to a dollar. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> if I've done my math. Thanks to all of you as well who have gone to Amazon and rated uh, Not So Black and White, our book. And we are still in, like, for the next six months to a year. I mean, we're going to be really, you know, pushing this book. So if you have an important book, you need to go get it. Yeah. And uh, it's great. And leave a review on that, too. That helps uh, more yeah. people see the book. And it helps John with all of his algorithm chasing. <laughs> and if you, yeah, it's so awkward now for you to hear me have to say all yeah. this after you know the inner workings. Yeah. That's why this podcast, Johnny, is different. It's it is, because we're like, hey, we're going to show you. Yeah. This is genuine. Yeah. But for real, if you don't have time to write a review, you can go just rate it. Go yeah. rate it five stars. Like if you read it, go rate it. Uh, that'd be great. Wow, that sounded. Now, if you've read it, go rate it. Mm, there's your That's, new slogan. There you go. Yeah. So, but check out our website as well. Talk about that podcast.com. Yep, lots of archived episodes there. Uh, exciting things with the podcast always in motion. But we're approaching episode 200 and still thinking about the live event. We're yeah, gonna let we're, you know we're we going to start putting plans together for that, I think. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll say, we're putting ourselves out there because what if people don't come? I would mm. be mortified. We may have to pre-sell. Be like the kid at the lunchroom holding your tray, just trembling. Yeah. No one wants you to sit at their table. Yeah. That, don't show. be that. Don't do that to us. No. Make a trip to Nashville, man. It'll yeah. be, be great. It'll be a yeah. lot of fun. So. Or we'll come to you. No, we won't. Probably. probably, probably. <laughs> we'll do little 200 episodes all over the country. Yeah, whatever you want, guys. Yeah, please, whatever. please love us. It's fine. Well, guys, thanks for listening, seriously, and we'll look forward to it again next week on Talk About That. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.